physics world. Ten, nine, eight. booster ignition. Six, five, four, three, two, With 27 engines launching the most powerful rocket on Earth by a factor of two, leaving the same launch pad that sent the Apollo astronauts to the moon, Elon Musk's SpaceX launched the Falcon Heavy rocket. It felt to many like it had burst open the ceiling of a new era in space flight. Welcome to the Physics World Podcast. I'm Andrew Glester, and it's been an exciting and controversial start to 2018 for the space community. And I met with Tim Gregory, star of BBC Astronauts Do You Have What It Takes TV programme, and Tushna Commissariat, careers editor of Physics World, in a busy cafe. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. Yes, indeed, yeah. I was actually just leaving the office and going to a friend's house for dinner, so I was watching it on my phone as I walked to her house, and then I stood in the lobby for about ten minutes like a total weirdo till it finished, because I didn't want to get in the lift and, like, you know... It gets cut off. Well, I think it's a bit of a milestone watching two boosters landing upright on your mobile phone uh, yeah, while you stood in your friend's lobby. Absolutely, well, that's, absolutely. that's pretty cool. <laughs> well, a lot of children, this was their watershed moment, wasn't it? This was what will stick with them. From a technological and an engineering point of view, it was a real milestone, a big watershed moment. It's going to drop the cost of spaceflight by orders of magnitude, this sort of technology. And even just the aesthetics of it, those two boosters, and the size of the rocket, it was enormous. Just the aesthetics of it was, was kind of a milestone in itself, because it just looked so cool. The number of kids that must have had their imagination set alight by seeing that must have been incredible. On board the Falcon Heavy rocket was, as I'm sure everybody knows, Elon Musk's old cherry red Tesla Roadster. There's been some controversy around the car going into space, perhaps most notably complaints that it's adding to space junk, and even some denouncing it as the symbol of the disdain the super-rich have for the poverty so many suffer here on Earth. But it has been arguably more celebrated than denounced, and Tim and Tushner were keen to defend it. They needed a test payload for the rocket launch, and nobody was going to give a satellite. Even though it did work, it would have been a big risk. I, I read I read many times that it was probably like a 50-50 chance, something on that order, that it was going to work or not work. So no one would put anything valuable on there. And usually with, with test payloads, it's usually a big block of concrete or a big block of steel or something like that, which serves the purpose, the primary purpose of testing the rocket technology and if it's going to work or not. But Elon, being Elon, is a bit of a rock star. <laughs> and the thing with SpaceX, they don't spend much money on, on advertisement. Everyone knows about SpaceX through word of mouth and the hype that they generate with the technology. So it's not surprising that you put a cherry red Tesla Roadster with Starman on board as the test payload. So it's not surprising, but whether or not it was worthwhile, I think on balance it probably was, because it's not going to interfere much with astronomy here on Earth and research. It's not going to crash into Mars, so it's not going to violate any sort of planetary protection rules and kind of gets around that issue. And it just looks so cool. I think that that one image of the roadster flying away from the Earth with Starman sat at the wheel 
was probably going to inspire a generation of rocket engineers. I guess, in essence, it, it kind of was a bit shallow. But I think just the, the sheer number of people who were talking about it, and there are so many test rocket launchers, there are so many real rocket launchers up to the ISS, and it's so routine now that people have seen it, the media don't pick up on it, but the red sports car was like the, the cherry on the cake, and it was even the right colour. Um, it just got people talking about it and people people interested in it. So you, you know you can I, can, I can I hear and I can see the argument that it's just adding to the space debris that's up there, and it doesn't serve a practical purpose. But you know, there's more to life than that. I think I'd agree with almost everything Tim said. I can easily convince myself of both sides of the argument. They had to put something up there, and yeah, block of concrete, really bloody boring. Red sports car, great. Also, it was his sports car. Also, they make sports cars, so it kind of makes a bit more sense than if it was just a very rich man and we just decided to jettison his um, favourite vehicle into space. Uh, so I, I can kind of understand it, and yes, it made for really cool pictures. Um, you know, I love the whole Starman angle. I love the whole don't panic on it, you know. Um, but then on the flip side, just, just with that, I thought, you know, people who read Hitchhiker's Guide to the galaxy or listen to Bowie are anyway people who are really into space exploration or really into um, sci-fi and thinking about things like that and um, you know I'm guessing many if not most people did not know what the whole don't panic was about you know the whole point with I think space exploration and even what SpaceX is trying to do is to try to get more people across the planet involved and to get you know more people looking up and I think that they could have done something a bit better for that, you know, they could have they could have like I'm not saying go full on Voyager, you know, golden record kind of thing. <laughs> you know, but something something to include things from different places in the world, ask kids to put you know, they could have done a whole thing with it. They could have run for like six months and told the kids, look, everything you put in there might blow up, but it's okay, you're just making drawings and then really cool your drawings will either explode really cool or go into space. And you know, they could have made something with that instead of just putting this up in space with that dummy you know and and also you know come back to the whole thing about a red sports car now i like sports cars and i like red sports cars but again it gives that feeling of it's a very male dominated sort of sexy red sports car fast car it's an engineer a rich white person kind of thing so again you're kind of telling people that if you don't drive a really hot red sports car you're probably not going to get into space you know probably not going to be launching big rockets so i can see why there's that image problem so i mean what i I think at this point what i'd say is they've done this one and that was totally fine but hopefully for the next one they'll put a little bit more thought into it and yes i know i know it's only like it's all a little bit silly what we launch in anyway it could have just been a block of concrete but we like human beings we love symbols and symbolism and things like that i mean you know we're still talking about the you know golden record so many years after it's I mean it's, it's out of the galaxy uh, solar system at this point and we're still talking about it so I think yeah they could have done something a little little more all-encompassing that's all Something which does seem to me to come more out of that box, a symbol for humanity was launched into space just a few days before the Falcon Heavy launch but this time from New Zealand 10 9 8 7 6 
Humanity Star is, according to the project website, a geodesic sphere made from carbon fibre with 76 highly reflective panels. It spins rapidly, reflecting the sun's rays back to Earth, creating a flashing light that can be seen against a backdrop of stars. Orbiting the Earth every 90 minutes and visible from anywhere on the globe, the Humanity Star is designed to be a bright symbol and a reminder to all on Earth about our fragile place in the universe. Rocket Lab started with the dreams of Peter Beck, a man who once strapped a rocket engine to a bike that he'd built himself. Peter was always a tinkerer in the garden shed, welding, building and dreaming of space. He heard the wonderfully named Mark Rocket, genuinely his name, who's a wealthy internet entrepreneur, speaking of his love for space on the radio and saw his chance to make those dreams into a reality. He met up with Mr Rocket and told him of his idea to affordably and regularly, once a week, send payloads into space. And Rocket Lab was born with $300,000. Today, it's valued at more than $1 billion and is this year aiming to meet that goal of launching a rocket a week into space. Like Elon Musk with his Tesla, Peter Beck saw an opportunity with the need for a test payload. The Humanity Star was a project that, that I wanted to do for, for many, many years. In fact, you know, a fair chunk of my life. It all kind of stems back to a couple of things. If you if you ask the general population uh, where they live, they can tell you what city they live, they can tell you what you know block they live in and, and what country they live in. Hopefully they can tell you what planet they live on. But um, you go much past that and the vast majority of people can't tell you or name the planets in our solar system. For me, it was always, you know, looking up into space was 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 always something that, 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 as a lot of space people do, just, you know, something that was a part of your life. The, the whole point of Humanity Star was was really to get people outside and get people looking up and realizing that they are on this little rock in, in a giant universe and hopefully get people thinking, you know, a little bit more uh, broadly and, and widely and thinking bigger about the world they live in. You know, as a species, we're facing some pretty decent challenges. One country is not going to solve climate change. We're going to have to come together as a species. And if we take it to the extreme, you know, six billion years left to run on the sun, at some point, this is not going to be the place that we're going to be. Really, really the whole point was to start the conversation, get people outside, the people outside who wouldn't normally go outside, and get them to look for the humanity star, and hopefully in looking for the humanity star, look past that, and, and into the universe and start asking the big questions. But Humanity Star was not greeted, at least by the space community, with the same fanfare and excitement of the Falcon Heavy launch. Tim had tweeted his dismay at the Humanity Star, calling for an end to the look at me, look at me aspect of space exploration. I wondered why the Tesla had sat more comfortably with him. I can't exactly articulate why I have a problem with the disco ball but not the Tesla <laughs> but I think that the, the disco ball my main problem with it is that it's very in your face the Tesla is not visible with the naked eye I don't think it's it's probably not even visible with a, with a, with a telescope a visible light telescope it's so small it's going to be so far away um, it is visible with radar people have been seeing it spin but it's not going to interfere with, with scientific research and instrumentation down here on Earth. And it's not in your face. It's not going to be a bright light going across the sky. Whereas the humanity start is, I just feel like it's the thin end of the wedge with getting a Coca-Cola billboard in space in orbit. 
It's really funny that you say that. There's this um, great children's book, this dystopian future, um, called Supernaturalist by Owen Colfer, and in, it's way, way in the future. Um, and there's this epic scene where Coca-Cola sets off a number of supernovae to spell the words Coca-Cola oh, no. out in the night sky <laughs> for like a month. <laughs> and I remember reading that and going, oh, that would be awful. That sounds terrible. I mean, just imagine, you could never look away from it. You just not look at the night sky. <laughs> well, actually, even the day sky, that was the whole point of it. It was really bright supernovae. Anyway, yes, exactly. I think I completely agree with Tim on that. I think, you know, again... Um, I had a long think about this when it kind of went up and the first I noticed it was when all of the astronomers on Twitter that I follow were like kicking off kind of going like great thanks for messing up all my readings for the next month Um, and I was like oh what's this about are they being a bit precious Um, and then you know I read about the humanities and I thought Again, it's not it's not bad, and yes, it does. It's it's a bit it's a bit nobler, you could say, in in terms of trying to get people to look up, etc. But again, it seems pointless. You know, you want people to look up at the night sky. It's full of shiny things already. You know, naturally up there. They could have done a a, a project about just looking up at the night sky. Or if I mean, if you're going to launch this big giant disco ball really to me it comes back to the make it useful you know they could have gotten kids involved with this project in advance they could have put little trackers on it and they could have had a month long school project to track it or you know they could have um, actually put some scientific equipment on it you know nothing nothing expensive in case it all went wrong but you know if, if it had one lab somewhere doing an experiment with it it would have made it a bit more worthwhile this just seemed too much like space graffiti but not even like nice graffiti you know it'd be a bit like sticking hoarding in the ocean to make people look at the ocean it really doesn't need it you know we already have a, a human made natural object that you can see easily in the sky and that does get people's imaginations fired up it's the international space station you, you see it all the time and there are people on board we already have something that makes people look up into the sky that does serve a practical purpose with the ISS. I mean, the practical purpose of the ISS is endless. You can talk about that for hours. But the Humanity Star, I think, just... I can't quite put my finger on it. I think it's the combination of the fact that it, it serves no practical purpose and gets in the way of scientific instrumentation. I'm not sure how much it'll get in the way. Maybe that's been over-egged. Maybe it won't turn out to be that much of a problem, but there are a lot of astronomers who are worried about it, which is it convinces me at least who doesn't do that sort of science that it, that it is a bit of a problem and it just seems like a massive PR stunt in a really yeah. sort of in your face explicit way it's like the road towards billboards in space I feel yeah. but the red Tesla is a billboard in space yeah it, it is in many ways it did serve a practical purpose it was a test payload for a, for a new launch system. So is humanity stuff. I like to think that Peter, when he launched it, did not do it as a big PR stunt. I think he probably had pretty good intentions with it. I think he probably really did just want people to look up. But unfortunately, it, it, it seems too much like... It, it's it's like Instagram space science, almost. You know, That's what it feels like. It feels like it's just there for the pretty pictures because it's this big, shiny thing in space. And um, that we're just going to look up at it for a few seconds because, ooh, shiny, and then that's it. You've forgotten all about it. It does not seem to have any longevity. There's no solid weight behind it, you know. Uh, 
just to counter that, that's also true for the Tesla. That's true. That's true. It's exactly people are going to forget about it already. They're yeah. just going to keep launching more and more rockets. That's all. Their rocket technology is awesome. It's super cool. And you know, a lot of the emphasis gets put on big satellites, like with, with the Falcon Heavy, and then exactly, the, yeah. the the FBR that's going to be launched in, in, in the future. But small satellites are also really important because they're way cheaper and you can actually do some pretty cool stuff with small satellites. Just the way you can do some cool stuff with a really small mobile phone now that used to be repay-sized a couple of decades ago. Um, satellites are going the same way with things like CubeSats that, that students can launch and you get, you're now getting master students designing space missions and actually launching space hardware for their master's project, which was just inconceivable a decade ago. So um, small satellite launch systems are really important and I think that that speaks for itself without doing these kind of cheap publicity stunts. I'm not so sure about that. The fact is that we're talking about Rocket Lab's technology on this podcast because of the Humanity Star. Let's come back to that in a minute but here's Peter Beck on that rocket technology. Rocket Lab is one of those 10-year overnight successes you know where um, you know started the company 10 years ago and um, and really it was all about access to space. And um, the Electron Project's four years old. You know, I started the, the Electron Project. It was, it was very obvious that the small satellite market was going to, you know, continue to grow exponentially. And really the key to access to space was frequency. So when, when we first started designing the, uh, the vehicle, you know, basically I wrote two things down on a piece of paper. It must be affordable and must be launched at least once a week. And those are the two things that, that really, you know, those are the only requirements of, of the whole program. So everything that you see that we've done, uh, you know, draw lines right back to that. So all the technology, the composite tanks and electric turbo pumps and 3D printing, all of that, all of that drives back to uh, those two requirements. When you're trying to put a constellation of 20 or 10 or even more satellites in orbit, um, you know, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to just spew them all out in one clump because you need to spread them around your orbital plane. So, uh, you know, a small launch vehicle that can, can you know, responsibly and frequently launch um, small satellites into orbit is, uh, is the way to build, um, to build this, this new, uh, you know, space infrastructure. I believe we were the first all-carbon composite vehicle to ever go to orbit. Usually carbon composites are used for parts of the launch vehicle. You know, we start off with a raw carbon tube and that forms all the tankage and, and structure of the vehicle. So, you know, the vehicle is, is carbon from, from nose cone to you know, to tail. You know, we didn't we didn't do that because we just love the black stuff. We we mm. did that because it was the only way that um, that we could achieve the performance and um, and the flight rate, the build rate. You know, we start off with one raw tube and just bond in bulkheads, and um, you know, in the space of, of a week, have a whole tank. Whether you know, you think about the way you do it traditionally is you start off with um, aluminium and then you. You know, it's like building an aeroplane. You form stringers and then you rivet all the aluminium together and friction still weld it and paint it and stress relieve it and on and on it goes. Whereas, you know, we can produce a whole tank in a, in a very simple process. Um, and, you know, and it wasn't without its without its trials. Um, you know, we had to develop, um, you know, a whole lot of technology to handle the liquid oxygen, the cryogenic temperatures of the liquid oxygen, all the, the differential thermal expansions. And, uh, you know, it was quite a big research program to actually you know, develop an all-carbon composite um, tank. There were two main criticisms of the Humanity Star that I heard or saw from astronomers. The first was that the bright symbol would interfere with their observations. I put that to Peter. It's it's deliberately placed in an an orbit um, such that uh, you really need to be looking down on the horizon at dawn and dusk. 
So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not, uh, you know, it's not this giant shiny thing brighter than the moon, you know, piercing above your head. Um, really, you, you need to really hunt out for it. And that was kind of the point is we wanted, we wanted people to go and look for it. So they, you know, in looking for it, they actually get to see the universe that's around it. So um, if you want to see the Humanity Star, then, um, uh, you know, if you go to the website, it'll tell you um, where, where it will be um, from your area. And we're still refining the algorithm, so that'll continue to improve accuracy. But um, where you're going to see it is at dawn and dusk down on the horizon, and you'll see it, um, a couple of flashes. Okay. And that will distinguish itself from... Um, from a, a, a normal star. Okay, so it'd be like a, a, a iridium flare type flash. Is that what I should be looking for? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So it's, it'll be um, you know very short. Um, the iridium flare actually flares actually last a bit longer. It's it's a you know a short little flash. Okay. The second criticism or concern that I saw was that this might lead to a Kessler syndrome. Anyone who's seen the film Gravity will know what that means. One thing in orbit collides with another, setting off a sort of domino effect. I asked Peter if that was a concern. Well, I mean, you have to go through a whole licensing process, both in the US and New Zealand. So it had, it had, to, had to be bought off by the, both the New Zealand government and, and a whole lot of licensing processes. And, um, you know, we're, we're very careful to make sure that we put it into an orbit, um, a very short lifetime orbit. Um, and, uh, you know, it put it in a place where it, you know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't going to be... Um, you know, cause, you know, great issues to, to anybody. But, you know, to put into context that the whole reason was to get, get people discussing and talking about um, the bigger issues for humanity. And, you know, although, like I say, it's missed the mark for some people, um, they still are talking. Um, it's, it's mission success. And, uh, and you know, if the conversation is you know, we really don't, don't like the humanity star and, um, you know, it's supposed to help us think about, uh, you know, hum, humans as a species, well, the fact that that has even come up in the conversation is is um, is a definition of of, of success. Yeah. You know, we had the option of putting up a mass simulator that did absolutely nothing, um, and that's typically what what uh, you do on a first launch vehicle. Um, or the option of doing something that um, that you know will have an effect to um, a large a large portion of the population and something that the whole planet can can share in. So you know, in that respect. Um, you know, we, we use the payload um, wisely, but uh, you know we, we can't we can't just put it any old where you know it was very very carefully placed um, all through the, the right regulations to ensure that um, that uh, you know it wouldn't cause any any of those kinds of effects. And it's a very short term life. You know, it's only up there for nine months. Um, you know, uh, we put into context with um, with with the, you know. SpaceX's launch on a billion-year lifetime—it's—it's—it's—it's um, it's, it's, it's a—it's a very short, you know, glinting moment in in, in Earth's history. Mm. And uh, like I say, if it is, if we if we change just a few people's perspective, they may be the few people that are the world leaders in the future that have a, have a big effect. I put what Peter had said to Tushner, and it felt like her opposition had started to soften. I think he could have launched a lot worse things. He could have genuinely launched, you know, you know. I think, I think I'm sure KFC or Burger King or someone like that launched a burger into the lower Earth orbit a while ago, and 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 there's been pies sent into space and all kinds of corporate stuff like that, and Lego and people's stuff, bears and things like that. So yes, we've. We've already done this whole, you know, and it's quite inward looking when you do that kind of stuff. But it's just, yeah, people can do these things and want to. But 
I guess I guess my problem with humanity style really over the Tesla is that it seemed too easy and it seemed like too many people could start doing it and if everyone who has that kind of money and that kind of resource starts firing off whatever they like into space we're going to have a problem you know yeah. we're going to have a real issue we're going to have um, quite yeah 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 I, I, I agree Think, thinking about it it's not so bad it's one thing but with rocket technology getting far cheaper now and you know um, Rocket Lab are wanting to do high frequency launches that's their whole that's the whole point of the company they want launches all the time it's going to be so easy to get stuff like that into orbit around the earth and what are we going to do are we going to clog up low earth orbit with, with shiny disco balls and an advertisement for companies and, and novelty things like that when I think we should be saving that space for scientific instrumentation and genuine space exploration there is a place for PR in space exploration there is there's a place for it in, in kind of everything that humans do. Anything that gets people more interested in space or even just aware of the fact that there is a space industry now around the world and particularly important in the UK, which is going to, it's going to be quite a big thing in the next couple of decades, the UK space industry. Anything that gets people aware of that is important, but I just think it's managing it's managing that space around the earth and not letting it go to just, just any old company that's got a, you know, a check to put something in orbit around the Earth. Okay, so you have a choice. You're now in charge of <laughs> space and what we've got up there. Yeah. And two people come to you, two different people. One says, I want to launch my sports car into space. The other one says, I want to launch something that reflects light back to Earth to encourage people to look up. Which do you choose? <laughs> oh, gosh. You got me, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just come out and say it. I'm a fully signed up member of the Elon Musk fan club. So I, I don't know. Elon Musk's mission in life is to get humanity on Mars, to colonise Mars, to, to back up the hard drive, if you like. So when, when things go wrong here on Earth, it's not extinction, because it doesn't get much more serious than extinction. So I feel like I can let him off a bit for a bit of a publicity stunt in space for that reason. I think I'd be a bit worried if there was a fleet of Teslas in space at some point. Yes. It's again like a as a one-off and, and it was a big first for them. And like I said, I think also the fact that his car, he also makes Tesla. <laughs> I think, yeah, I'd be, I'd be feeling a lot weird about it if, he, you know, this was a Ferrari in space by Elon Musk or something like that. One other slight issue that kind of, I think, possibly bothered me and others was that the SpaceX launch you knew it was happening you knew what was happening for quite a while whereas with the humanity style almost everyone found out about it once it was already in space and it felt like you couldn't do anything about it you couldn't sort of register your discontent it was already up there you couldn't exactly go and pluck it out of space and bring it back down if you didn't like it and I think that probably also bothered a few people I yeah think. I think it did I'm fully aware that I'm a total hypocrite not being okay with the humanity style but I'm okay with the Tesla but Elon's Musk whole image is built on him being this super geeky rock star who's just assembled this incredible team of engineers and scientists to do something that was impossible even a few years ago and the red sports car just really drives that image home <laughs> okay whereas the humanity star I'm not sure it quite met the objective maybe if it did meet the objective 
we would have let them off as well. Yeah. But I'm not I'm not quite sure that it did in the same way that the Tesla did. It certainly got us talking. Indeed it has. I asked Peter Beck if he'd felt the Humanity Star had, in fact, hit its targets. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean... We've had so much, uh, so much, um, and you know, for 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 equally the the kind of people that that um, you know that's Mr. Mark on. There's there's an equal number, if not more, um, who who, uh, who has had a profound effect. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's we, we get just just hundreds of emails a day of of people who um, you know who have who are excited about it and and who have experienced it. And um, you know, it's it's you know it's it's certainly um, Certainly, having having a huge effect, and you know, when I think about you know what got me into space, it was when I was about four years old. My father took me outside and showed me a satellite, and that um, was just a mind blowing experience. Is that what's this thing in the sky? And then you know, I remember asking all the questions. You know, well, well what are these other stars? And is there anybody looking back at me? Or and it was kind of a you know, hang on a minute moment, um, and uh, it's just great to see those moments occurring uh, for a whole lot of other people. Um, Around the, around the planet. One thing I urge anyone listening to do is to head to Rocket Lab's YouTube channel and watch one of their launches. The launch site itself is absolutely stunning, set on the edge of cliffs at the head of an island. Well, that's the beauty of that launch site, and one of the reasons why we selected it is um, we have the largest amount of launch azimuth than any other launch site in the entire world. So we can shoot sun synchronous. So for us, it's, it's shooting south at about uh, a couple of degrees off um, of ninety, right up to thirty nine degrees out of the one side. There's you know there's just nothing out in the ocean. So you know if you're in America, you want to shoot sun synchronous. You're out of Vandenberg. You want to go to the space station. You're out of KSC. You know we can go to the space station or sun synchronous out of out of that that one side. You know space has been such a closed domain. That you know, unless you want to get there, you, you've got to write a check for millions of dollars. Um, now that that's all changed, and uh, you know, the, the the ability to experiment and innovate is is you know is now there. So um, you know, we we think of space as is a great platform for you know satellite television and communications and a bit of GPS. But uh, look, I, I'm you know super excited about. Uh, about the next generation and, and uh, the ideas and concepts that, that, that they're developing to use space to, to better, better everybody on this planet is just phenomenal. Looking through the tweets of astronomers complaining about the Humanity Star, they're almost exclusively in response to an article in the Guardian newspaper here in the UK. Time and again, the tweets pull up on the words, the brightest thing in the sky and visible from anywhere on Earth. And from that, you can understand why observational astronomers might be concerned that it would interfere with their work. But the reality of Humanity Star is something much more subtle, something you have to work really hard even to catch a glimpse of. I'm slightly ashamed to say that I hadn't heard of Rocket Lab before the Humanity Star, and learning about their rocket technology and plans for space science has been fascinating. It was a great pleasure to speak to Peter, and I didn't get the sense that this was a man intent on self-promotion, but rather a man intent of sharing his love of space and determined to make a success of his company. He seems, at least in part, to be succeeding in those goals. And I don't know why some people seem okay with the cherry red Tesla, but not with the Humanity Star. I can understand not liking either or loving both, but separating them makes little sense to me. 
2018 has seen two major developments for the space industry. Regular, relatively affordable launches are taking place in the southern hemisphere, and up in the north, these huge rockets are set to take people and payloads to the moon and beyond. I, for one, will forgive the people who make that possible. The odd indulgence. If these conversations have taught me anything, it's that social media can lead us to rapid responses to news stories, sometimes jumping to conclusions too soon without looking deeper into them. Whatever your position, do please let us know your thoughts. You can tweet us at PhysicsWorld or post a comment on the PhysicsWorld website, physicsworld.com, which, by the way, has just relaunched. Go and have a look around the new Physics World website. Thank you so much to Peter Beck, Tim Gregory and Tushta Commissariat for talking to me. And thank you very much for listening. Physics World.